Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. We're back for another season, uh, previewing our season in League One. And with me today, I have Brad. How are you, Brad? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, It's been a really short turnaround, hasn't it? Uh, it feels like the season only just finished a month ago, so it feels like it's been quite a quick layoff and then straight back into things. Yeah, it's sort of like there's no off-season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I will, we'll talk about uh, the pre-season we've had in a little bit, but it's um, it's been particularly interesting, I think, the fact that we haven't really publicised much about any friendlies at the club. Um, it, it feels like we've sort of just run straight into the season on the back of last season. And um, look, it, it's an interesting one. Maybe the first question we can talk about is the fact that do you think that the relegated clubs, City included, have a little bit of an advantage going into this season, given the fact that uh, most of the League One clubs haven't played since March? Uh, look, it, it should help. Um, I suppose probably the best example of that we've seen in recent years is we've always been relatively underprepared by the time the season starts. But realistically, if you've got most of those guys either only with a limited time off, they should you know, be reasonably ready to fire from the start. Um, I think probably time-wise, a lot of them are probably almost forgotten what a real game is sort of like, whereas our players should be pretty switched on with that. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. Um, I guess the the first sort of big topic is the transfers. That's probably the place that we've been the most active in the off-season. And, and, you know, I'm I'm quietly quietly impressed with the business that we've done. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't sent anyone out the door yet. And, and of course, there's still time for that to happen. But I think the one that we were expecting to go most of all was probably Device. Um, and he's, he's obviously been um, stripped of the captaincy in the sense that it's been given to someone else. I don't know if it was necessarily um, uh, anything that he's done negatively, but probably just the fact that he didn't really perform as captain as we would have liked. But uh, he, look, he's, he's still at the club for the time being. Reese Burke's still at the club. Uh, Lopez is still at the club. W- what's your sense on, on how we've so far managed to retain those players? Yeah, look, I still sort of expect almost on a daily basis to hear of something that's going against us on that that side of things. But I think probably the only thing I'm sort of impressed with is maybe the fact that we've actually signed players relatively quickly, which yeah. they're notoriously bad at. Um, and over you know, history, we're trying to literally throw these sort of squads together at the last minute. And this is the reason to say that a few of those players do literally stay then what we're bringing in is adding some depth straight away yeah and look i mean i think the first one that we brought in well there was two initially both right backs um louis coyle from fleetwood and then josh emmanuel from bolton and obviously the one that people are probably more fixated on is louis coyle joining considering he's um, a local lad he, he says that he's always wanted to sign for city which is great to hear you always want players who want to be at the club um, younger brother of uh, Tommy Coyle, the boxer as well. So there's a bit of a, a sporting connection in the family. Um, and, and he's uh, presumably straight into the starting 11, um, has a lot of experience in League One, took Fleetwood up to the playoffs uh, last season. So he, he's been at a successful League One club. He knows what's needed. Uh, he's a strong signing. Look, he is. And even without knowing how good he is or 
uh, enough about him. The thing that's probably most impressive is his age. Yeah. Uh, he's just starting to probably get towards his peak uh, as far as, you know, being a defender uh, goes, you know, that maturity. But also the fact that, you know, there he was at a club who is genuinely a rival of ours in this league now. Um, and he sees us as a bigger, bigger opportunity, which I know a lot of us laugh at that sometimes. But when you think about it, it must say a lot about what he thinks our promotion hopes are. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then um, Emmanuel was at Bolton where they were relegated in, in the season, um, which has been unfortunate for them. But he has a few familiar faces at the club. He, know, he knows Brandon Fleming from his time at Bolton last season as well. And he sort of describes himself as a pretty attacking fullback. So, uh, look, he'll be a good depth as well. I, I know last season our biggest concern was the fact that, at, you know, to start with, we had Lee High, who was our only real recognised right back. And then obviously after he left, we didn't have any. So to have two in the door already in the preseason is uh, is going to bode well for our season and our, our depth prospects for the club. Yeah, and I think, I mean, look, we've got to be realistic about who we're signing. This guy played, um, I think you've already said, he played 20 games last year, 30 games. Yeah. He played a lot of games last year. So he already knows this division. automatic starting right back um, which has been a problem in the past here we go looking like we've got some depth yeah and I, I guess um, the other two signings are both promising for different reasons I think first of all Richie Smallwood coming in from uh, Blackburn uh, two promotions out of league one both with Blackburn and with Rotherham 29 years old which is probably an age demographic that we were really struggling with a lack of players in um, and he's been made captain straight off the bat so Clearly, the club sees a bit in him, um, have gone out and targeted him for that specific reason that we needed a bit more leadership. Um, I've seen a few already sort of suggesting that he's that um, that Ashby-style player, the grit in midfield that we've needed for a long time. Um, what, what do you make of that signing and, and his uh, leadership credentials that he'll bring to the club? Yeah, look, I, I don't, I can't say I know enough about him, but yeah. certainly from a positional sense, uh, I'm really happy because I do think that Look at the last few seasons, we've had what, four different captains at different times. Um, and our on field leadership, other than Geordie at the start, um, has always looked a bit shaky. Um, and knowing that before you've even got to round one, you've already got this guy locked into what we think is one of the most important roles in the team uh, and made captain and already been in this league and promoted, you can't really ask for. For much more, um, and I think we probably need someone in the middle. I mean, rightly or wrongly, Kevin Stewart was very talented, but every time we played in that holding role, I didn't sort of feel like he was going to be the guy that did the Ashby and put his body on the line. Mm. Um, whereas this guy clearly is sort of of that mould. So, um, yeah, impressed. Uh, and then the last one who's also quite impressive is Greg Doherty coming in from Rangers for about 450000 He He spent a season on loan at Shrewsbury a couple of years ago where he got seven goals. Seems that sort of box-to-box midfielder. Uh, huge engine on him. Have already heard raps about the fact that he's come into the club with a hu- uh, you know, high level of fitness, um, really motivated, really ready to go. Um, some surprising um, uh, reactions to him signing for us, thinking that he might have even attracted interest from the championships. So really bodes well for us that we've managed to secure him and, and he looks a, a real prospect for us. Yeah, and I think probably the only thing that, um, again, not someone I know anything about, but 
the thing that I do like is you know, he's 24, I think. Yeah. So, you know, there's a guy who, again, you're attracting someone that you assume is probably on the way up. And so the fact that he was already, you know, potentially a championship level interest-wise and decided to go with us clearly means he thinks that he's going to be with us for a few years. So, again, that's what we need to get back to. We go back to Ashby as an example. Sure, we know the fairy tale, but these guys signed when we weren't much yeah. and helped go along for the ride. We actually need to get that sort of signing back into the system because unless we are Premier League, we're always going to be bouncing around trying to get there. The only way you're going to do it is with these guys that are prepared to do the hard yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess just on that, it's probably a good point to mention as well. The comments in the recent times from McCann, uh, I think they went out today, kind of justifying the fact that this relegation to League One was was an opportunity to, you know, sometimes you need to take that step backwards before you can go forwards, sort of thing. Um, you know, the the. The, the one sliver, sliver of truth that I would say to that is that I do appreciate the fact that upon a relegation, you can sort of trim down the squad, reinvest, reemerge with a stronger, more cohesive squad so that if we then step back up to the championship, we're perhaps a bit more of a coherent unit that can progress a bit more. I, I, I kind of accept that, but um, h- how do you sort of feel about that sort of spin from McGann and, and the way that we sort of plummeted out of the championship and, um, any sort of positivity that we can look at going into this season? Oh, look, I think to be fair to him, he's got to pretty much put some sort of spin on it because mm. that's, that's his job. I think anyone that says, uh, you know, it was good to get relegated because then we can bounce back up is sort of kidding themselves. Um, I agree with what you're saying, though. Sometimes you do need that reset to say, actually, what level are we? And then build from that. Whereas I think maybe the last three years, we've thought we're a championship promotion-chasing level team. By that, I mean up to Premier. Mm. When realistically, when you look at all our problems since our last relegation, um, the problems haven't gone away. The problems have got worse, technically. Uh, We've been carrying large wage bills on certain players. There's been no real um, off-field harmony for years. All these things sort of point to the Sunderland-style problem. Um, yeah. And then at the same time, we're expecting to finish in the top six. Um, it's just not going to happen. So I think maybe for once, almost like the, the horizon at the club has lowered to a point of saying, okay, realistically, Ehab's got bells on him if he thinks he's selling the club for £40 million or whatever it is. Probably for most of us pure supporters, getting relegated means Ehab might actually take his head out of the sand and realise what the club's worth. And if they are going to go, then we might see something realistic. Otherwise, you rebuild from a lower base. Well, look, that's a good segue into um, the discussion about the ownership. There's been the uh, supporters committee meeting in the last week or so where Ehab did announce that they'd be willing to probably write off about 10 to 15 million pounds of the debt uh, to facilitate a sale. I think there was some talk that then they'd sort of try to get that 10 or 15 back by... um, taking an ownership share or, or taking, you know, the the remaining transfer fee payments that are coming in um, for themselves, which would mean that the incoming owner would basically be starting with zero, but would have less coming out of their pocket, I suppose, for the sale. Um, that's sort of a new piece of information. It's a, sort of a new strategy that we haven't really heard the owners discuss before, the potential writing off of this debt. 
it, it sort of suggests to me that there is some serious interest or serious intent in trying to sell the club. Um, they're obviously still going to play all their games about um, trying to get top dollar for themselves and look after themselves. But, um, you know, if they had zero interest in selling, they would say nothing on writing off the debt. They'd say nothing on, on you know, lowering the price or anything like that. But they are kind of coming up with these strategies. Does it suggest to you that there is a genuine interest maybe finally in, in selling the club or is it more smoke and mirrors really? Uh, look, I'd like to hope um, and pray that that's, <laughs> that's a resolution, but I think we're at the point now where, I mean, the club's been on up for sale now for five, six years. Um, yeah. Every time someone gets close, it falls over. And most of those people uh, that are on the other side of the, the transaction seem to be the one that say they're very frustrating to deal with or whatever. I think, look, it is great that they'll talk about writing down some debt, but in the end, the question has always been, how could you possibly have that valuation methodology at all? Yeah. Um, and we can all talk about what the debt should be or what the, what the value of the club should be, but realistically, if they're running around last year saying the club's worth 40 million and that just happens to be the debt, yeah. Uh, well, great. Just tell us what you want to walk away, which is clearly that debt level, and don't talk about writing it down. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, this this misguided approach is that the club owes them forty million, so that's what the club's worth is just a joke. If it's technically being run as a poor asset, which we all know it has, um, you can't sort of just say, oh, it's worth that because that's what we've got borrowings against it. Um, it's more about, okay, what can you actually do to attract a buyer? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think the write-down of the debt, look, it's probably a good thing, but I think the problem still is is that you've got dis disengaged fans and, and a lot of these issues still aren't going to go away while the owners are still talking the way they are. Yeah, look, and it's going to be in, it's going to be interesting to see how the season pans out. Um, if we're looking decent for promotion early on, I suspect that talk will go away for the time being. Um, if we're looking to be mid-table or even lower half of League One, um, I don't know if they do get to a point where they have to almost decide whether to pull the pin and, and, and try and kind of recoup some of their losses before things spiral too badly. I mean, I think I think in one sense, the, the wage cap for League One will work in the favour of the Alums keeping the club because... Um, it means it's a lot easier to manage their expenses in the PL and uh, not rack up huge losses. So it makes the club a lot more manageable from that point of view. And we obviously, we, we do still have the money coming in from the Bowen sale, potentially even from the Maguire sale a while ago. Clucas, uh, I don't know how far back the, these payments are still um, waiting to be. I think there's about 15 to 20 million of, of payments to come through from various sales. That will help run the club for a number of years. Um, but it, it, I guess it just remains to be seen. It's, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, interesting comments overnight, I think, from the UK from Simon Jordan, the ex-Crystal uh, Palace uh, <laughs> owner. I don't know if you saw them. Um, I did. I'm going to that you did. The suggestion that Ehab's sort of been playing football manager and, and picking the squad, what, what did you make of that and, and how much truth do you think there is to it? I mean, my sense is off the bat, he's probably picking the formation. I mean, we hear a lot about the fact that 4-3-3 is the whole city way and he's probably very strict with McCann in saying this is the formation. I'd be surprised if he's gone as far as actually picking players to play, but, you know, what's your take on it? 
Um, look, I suppose, do we honestly think Ehab's walking in and telling the coach what, who to pick and what to play? No. But I do think that there's probably an element of truth in what Jordan's talking about is that some of the dealings with some of these players were some before McCann's time. Um, and also, you know, I've always found it interesting that some contracts, like we saw with, um, with Henriksen, you know, as soon as to play a certain amount of games, it triggers a clause for mm. next year and all these things. And I think probably somewhere between both ends of that argument is where the truth sits in that I'm sure at times Ehab has probably walked in and said, hey, if you play this guy for three more games, we have to give him a contract. So don't. That's that's a different argument. But I, I mm. still find it interesting that, uh, and again, I'm only going by what we were reading, but Jordan was yeah. pretty, pretty clear to say, hey, um, uh, the owner is picking the team. Um, one thing that I still find interesting, and no one's obviously had a chance personally to talk to him, but there was obviously a bit behind Jackson Irvine's comments, um, and that was a little bit about you know who was actually making the call on squads, and that seemed to be uh, not just McCann. And so that maybe points a little bit back to what Johnson said about the fact that... I think maybe there is that outside pressure on the squad as to who McCann's got. But in the end, I mean, the owners sign the checks. Most clubs know yeah. they, they get involved with signing players, although they say they let the manager do the work. It, it's still going to be cleared by someone. Um, mm. So that might be more about what that argument is. Um, but look, we and, know he had, most of the time is on a power trip, mate. So we know that that isn't yeah. necessarily and- unplausible. And look, and, th- and that's a great point. I mean, I, I was considering it more from the point of view of him potentially saying, you must play X, Y, and Z player. But it's a great point to suggest that it's just as likely that he's saying you can't play X, Y, and Z. You can't play X, Y, and Z player because of various uh, contract um, triggers. So Kendrickson, like you've talked about, Kevin Stewart's another one who absolutely, I suspect, uh, was not getting game time towards the latter half of that season because of various triggers. And and as we, we sort of found out, he was our highest earner by the time um, Irvine and Lehigh left. So, um, yeah, I've no doubt he was probably instructing the manager not to play particular players. And and from that point of view, I think a lot of clubs do that. As you've said, that um, you, you see players where they'll have options that will be triggered by a certain number of appearances and players will magically not play after a certain game despite being fit and healthy. So um, I, I don't think that's anything unique at Hull. Um, look, whether it's whether it's gone as, going as far as saying this player must play or, you know, um, because we're playing this formation, you, you should be considering these players. It, it'd be interesting to find out. Um, I, I think the very fact that these questions have been put to McCann before and, and sort of keep raising their heads means that there's, there's you know, there's no smoke without fire. Um, so I think there's probably some truth to it and, and how much of it is true, I, I don't know. But the fact that McCann is still around despite such an awful second half of last season probably suggests that, the owners like him for one reason or another, and, and maybe it's the fact that it, he lets them have a hand in, in his um, his team selection for the weekend. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, no, I think, mate, it's it's pretty valid. I mean, if you look back now, every manager that we've had, well, I mean, technically, we know that Slutsky was effectively sacked. So mm. Every manager has left because of dispute with the owner. Yeah. Um, and that dispute, we've sort of... Sometimes in the media have read that's because there's no transfer budget. I'm pretty sure Adkins didn't leave because there was no transfer budget. Adkins left because there's nothing. 
for him to, to use you know, in the tool bag because he's been told to reduce wages. He's been told the type of player he has to sign and what the contract has to be. And he's like, how can you be in a championship with that? Whereas um, I know Steve Bruce's run-ins were pretty well documented that it just basically came down to they won't give you any money and they want to have a hand in things. So in this case, McCann is going to do exactly what he's told because A, he values the job, but B, he, it's been that way since he started. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's all he knows. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I do feel sorry for McCann because in a way, you know, he's obviously under the thumb as to what the owners expect and want. But in the end, I mean, how is it that a guy's got a job still after having the worst mm. second half of the season I can think of in, in any competition, mm. uh, anywhere mm. in the world probably, and yet we're sort of talking like, yeah, but he's the answer for promotion. More, I think, just comes about that maybe Ehab has more control over that football department than we think. Yeah, and, and I did say in the uh, in the Facebook group just before we started, I think it's going to be interesting if we uh, if we have a slow start to the season, if the first month or two isn't looking particularly strong, I'd be hard pressed to see how he could still be in charge. Um, he'd need to get off to a, a pretty flying start, and um, we'll, we'll look ahead to the first few games now, actually. And they are both cup games, so it's a little bit of a reprieve if we aren't successful in these games. They're not as as important as the league games. Um, just just to let listeners know, we will each week be also doing a, a player review. We did it a couple of seasons ago. We've got a, an entirely new squad since the last time we did it. So we'll we'll pick a player each week and sort of go through when they signed for City for how much. Uh, stats since they've been here and, and whether we think they've been a good or a, a poor signing. Um, but we'll we'll leave that for once the season actually begins. We'll just do um, a couple of previews for this episode as we start to look ahead to the season. Um, and we do have um, our League Cup game, first of all, against Sunderland this Saturday night. Thoughts on this game and do you think it's one that we should be looking to win, whether it really matters at all? Um, as I was sort of saying, it's going to be a long season one way or the other. It's maybe not one that we try everything to, to win? No, look, I think um, our, our focus this year needs to be on the league, no doubt about it. So this is the type of um, opposition we'd like to get early on. Um, and that's mainly because we know, obviously, these guys are doing exactly what we would like uh, to do, and that's try and get out of this division. Um, and, you know, they're a big club and although obviously they're not necessarily uh, probably still regarded as the biggest club in the league. They, they you know, off-field should be. Um, and, you know, when you look at where they finished last year, they're still a club that we should be trying to aim to beat uh, to show where we should be sitting in this league as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then, as I sort of said, with uh, Bailey Wright joining them as well, there's that added sort of, interest to see how he goes for them um but like you say i mean they're, they're essentially going to be one of our promotion rivals you'd sort of hope so there's an element of sort of saying well maybe we should try to play our strongest side or one of our strongest sides just to sort of get a barometer for how we're how we're looking for the season ahead um we haven't played a whole heap of friendlies as we sort of started by saying so you could almost treat this one as a run into the season proper and and, and try and go all out and, and just sort of see how we go yeah, look, I think we've got to have a real crack. It was only um, a Sunderland supporter telling me who doesn't normally talk about Sunderland very much, but he did point out that uh, they had one of the best defences in that league last year. So if we can have a crack at them and maybe put a couple past them, 
that's the way to show, well, okay, against most defences, we should be able to try and run over them. Um, but, yeah, I still think this is the sort of game, being a cup, you can take it seriously or not, but this is still the fact that we want to be able to knock this sort of team over. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then probably the one that uh, matters a little bit less or it's going to be a, a little bit more of an interesting one is uh, the, the game against the Leicester under under 21s, I'd say, you know, quote unquote, in the EFL trophy. Um, I had a bit of a look at the rules because these sorts of under 21 setups seem to always have um, interesting uh, technicalities. And I think they can have two players over the age of 21 who've made, you know, basically, you know, seasoned professionals. So, um, there's the potential that you could see a, a Jamie Vardy or, um, or or somebody like that starting for Leicester or coming on for Leicester because for them as well this would be probably a good excuse to to uh, sort of give give the guys a run in before the season starts and it's almost a, a preseason friendly for them where they can tread it a little bit more seriously and then look you know there's always the chances where we could see Jakubovic in goals so that's exactly um, what I was about to ask yeah Is a chance. I, I would hope so. I would hope that, uh, look, I don't even know who's going to be managing them. I don't know if Brendan Rodgers manages them for this one, but, um, you know, I'd hope whoever's going to be the Leicester manager for the game will have a bit of a romantic streak in him and, and would play Jakubovic against us. Well, it'd be pretty cool to watch. Mind you, we'd probably prefer to have a keeper not as good as him. But, um, yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see who they actually line up for, against us there. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, it's it's going to be interesting. I think the way that the uh, EFL trophy works is that you uh, basically play for a win, no matter what there's going to be a result in the game. Um, I think if it's a draw after 90 minutes, then you'll basically go straight to penalties and then the winning team gets two points and the losing team from the penalties gets one point. So um, it's a bit of a, an exciting format in that sense. It's um, a chance for a trophy. It's a you know group game, so it's not a, a knockout game in that sense as well. Um, I know it's a little bit down the priority list, but it's uh, it's a bit of fun as well. We get to play a team that's sort of sort of in the Premier League. It's their under twenty ones anyway. Um, but look, yeah, you know those are the two games we've got coming up this week before the season really gets started next week against uh, Tom Eves' old club in Gillingham, which will be interesting. But, yeah, look, I mean, I think the Sunderland game is going to be a really interesting one. Um, I think we really should be treating that as uh, a real precursor to the season proper and, and going out there and really trying our hardest with a strong lineup. I know Scott might be missing with a, uh, you know, call up to international duty, which would be um, a big miss for us. But it's a chance to try out our formation for the season it's a chance to really um, set ourselves against one of the stronger League One sides and we'll see how we go against them. I'd sort of hope we can come away with a victory, but I'm not going to be disappointed with a loss in any of these two games. Um, you know, it's more about getting the, the minutes in the legs for the players and getting us ready for the league season. I think that has to be our priority. Our number one priority has to be getting out of League One, back straight up to the championship. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, a, a result in those games would be a promising start given our form for the second half of last season, but I'm not going to hang my head too hard if we if we can't win either of those games. Yeah, we need a win. We need the confidence back and, you know, it is pretty contagious, especially if we can start winning games early. Even if we don't deserve them, it might set up a pretty good framework for us. So, um, yeah, got to get off to a good start. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, just before we go, I do want to give another mention to, I, I tweeted out during uh, the week last week about the fact that we've launched our Patreon. And I, I do want to give uh, Luke Flanagan a, a big thank you as being our first Patreon as well. Um, if you can, if you can join the patron, anyone out there, um, it, it, it's little as three pound a month. So it's a cup of coffee a month. It goes a long way to helping us, um, running the show gives us, um, a StreamYard subscription. At the moment we're using the free service, but if we use, if we get a, a StreamYard subscription, it means we can stream to Facebook whilst we're on YouTube. It means we can put our own graphics and all that sort of thing. Hopefully it means that I'll have less technical issues as well. Would always be nice. Um, but yeah, it's just at patreon.com forward slash tigers down under. Um, so any support would be appreciated. Um, but otherwise just keep enjoying the episodes. They'll always be free um, and available for everyone to, to enjoy and, uh, and join in, you know, shoot us a message in the chat, hit the thumbs up button, give us some support that way if you can. Um, but otherwise, thank you for joining me this week, Brad. No, thanks for having me, mate. No worries. And, you know, it's exciting to have another season to look ahead to. And I, I guess we'll see what, uh, what the season has in store for us. Um, but until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're